0: This is Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live on 101.3 KPCG, and we're online at kpcg.fm. Today is Wednesday. I'm Dwight Falk. Grant Turgeon here today. Coldest day of the week for us. Not even going to get above freezing today, if you can believe the the weather forecast. I think about 23 degrees for a high. I broke out the scarf and uh, took it in today to keep my neck warm.
1: I feel like it's uh, brisk and... Nearly pleasant, so probably differing from a lot of what a lot of people might say about that that topic right now.
0: <laughs> I don't mind the air temperature here in Oklahoma in this range as long as it's not super windy,
1: and it's not so yeah. it is it is tolerable right now when that wind starts
0: going. It's like a knife cutting <laughs> through you. They had uh more snow in Erie Pennsylvania. Uh, we talked about this yesterday, this massive snowstorm. Erie picked up another 24 half inches of snow on Tuesday, bringing the two-day tally to 58 half inches. This is the highest two-day snowfall total in the entire state of Pennsylvania. The storm actually began on Sunday. altogether has dropped a grand total of 62.9 inches of snow, and according to the National Weather Service. So far in December, they've had 93 inches of snow. It's the the most snowfall, I guess, in history for a month, at least in recorded history. So, you know, we probably haven't had 93 inches of snow in the last 20 years here (laughs) in in, uh, Oklahoma City. Don't quote me on that. But we don't get hardly anything most most years. And uh, here, 93 inches in just one month.
1: Well, then there's places in Africa and Australia that have never seen snow in their history. It's uh, quite amazing how you get it all in one place, uh, literally all in one place right now. I mean, I've never even heard of so much snow in such a short amount of time.
0: Lots of the communities right around the Great Lakes are getting quite a bit of snow. And, uh, you know, you talk about people never seeing snow in some cases. And We're broadcasting from the campus of Herbert W. Armstrong College. It's an international group of students that come in from a lot of regions. And it is always interesting when you have a student that comes from a warm climate, and then you have the first day where it actually snows. And again, we don't get a lot here. So it might be just, you know, you see three or four flakes falling in. But it's a big deal if you've never seen it before. So depending on where you're from originally, the reaction to a little bit of snow is much different.
1: Well, some of the Filipinos who have come here have actually said they were freezing cold back in August when it was like 90 degrees. I don't really know how that's possible, but that's what they said. There was a couple of years ago, you
0: know, we play a couple of different sports leagues out here, and we were having a flag football league, and it was uh, in the fall and into the winter months, but it was pretty warm. I mean, 70 degrees, 8, just beautiful weather. And I had one fellow that was from Australia, and he was always wearing sweaters. <laughs> <laughs> like almost, I think they were, they might have been turtlenecks, you know, and it was... I don't know, sixty, seventy degrees. It wasn't bad at all. I, you know, I'm from uh, up north, so I had a you know, short sleeve shirt on. I was enjoying it, but but he he couldn't get warm. So uh, I was I was I always remember looking at him, thinking, how could he be wearing that sweater? But you know, it just runs warmer, I guess, because you're used to the heat.
1: Yeah, and and it's also true that if you just did a little bit of running, even if it is slightly chilly. You you would normally quickly warm up, so maybe he just was planning on standing around and not <laughs> doing too much running at all. Talking to the girls, <laughs> talking to the ladies. <laughs> <On> the <sidelines. laughs>
0: yeah, uh, that's true. You get out even if it's even if there's snow and it's uh, not too windy, you can get out there and if you start running around, before you know it, short sleeve shirts. You feel pretty good, depending on the you know the temperature. So uh, always uh, interesting to see a lot that snow, you know one of the great dangers of that much snow is the heart attacks where people go out and shovel their driveway and you get heavy snow out there and people aren't you know it's not like you're training in the off season to physically shovel your driveway (laughs) you just go out and do the job but if people are older or maybe they're they're not in the best shape that's actually one of the one of the big killers in those snowstorms is heart attacks
1: wow yeah I wouldn't have thought of that but that I guess that does make sense it's it's like a level of work that's Highly out of the ordinary for a lot of people, sadly I mean if we if we did move around more it, it might help, but obviously, when you get a lot older it's pretty difficult to sustain that type of work anyway
0: I had uh some excitement last night. I went to uh, a local mall, Penn Square Mall. My wife had something to return, and we the kids are on vacation from school, so they wanted to get out of the house. you know how it is get out of the house and so we said, well let's go down there check it out." And uh, very busy, as you would expect. People are out returning presents and things. I guess so. Very, very busy, busier than normal. And uh, two things I saw that I'd, I have not seen in the mall before. One, somebody got carted out on a stretcher for they must have had a medical emergency of some kind. I didn't see what happened, but the, the EMTs were there, moving them out on a stretcher, and then took it to, took them to the ambulance. And then as we were walking out, we were just about to leave. And uh, walking past the escalators, I go upstairs. And people were kind of stopping and, like, looking upstairs. And security was rushing up there and everything. And it could hear some commotion, but I couldn't see what was happening. So anyway, we, we were leaving anyway. And we thought it would be good to get out of there. Mm-hmm. So we left. And I checked later, and uh, there was a fight broke out up in the food court. Somebody got arrested. So, uh, And then uh, we went to this other store just down the road. And there was a lady talking on her cell phone, and I could hear her as she walked by me, and she was talking about it. She's like, I, I had to get out of there. I was you know, nervous, and all this stuff was going on. So um, I have not experienced that before in a shopping mall. Violence. But thankfully, <laughs> minimal, and they contained it, I think.
1: I was actually wondering if the food court caused the person being carted out on a stretcher, too. Maybe, maybe the food court's at the center of all the contention there. They were fighting over whose tray was whose or something as well.
0: <laughs> no, I don't know what happened, and uh, hopefully person that got taken out was okay Um, and I don't want to make light of it but I couldn't help but think like well they always say you're supposed to shop till you drop you know (laughs) (laughs) things like that but I don't know if it was a real serious dealer or just a minor but anyway they serious enough to bring the ambulance around and then of course this other unrelated thing I believe was another scuffle there so uh, but it's interesting just to see something like that happen and people start getting you know pretty nervous and and you can see how if something breaks out uh in a In a very crowded area, and people are trying to get out uh It could be a problem, so anyway, all the security guys were earning their money, I guess they were all <laughs> heading up there to deal with it and i was I was wondering i don't know really even what authority mall police have. obviously, they could call the regular police they kind of get a bad rap in terms of. I don't think people will totally respect them. But well, it's, there's been movies made yeah. about that,
1: so <laughs> that's, that's not really fair either. Right. <laughs> but
0: I, but they they do have some authority, I guess. So I was glad to see them there trying to take care of things, but they were all running up the escalator and keeping everybody off of it. So in this day and age, you just never know. You don't know what's – it could be anything.
1: Well, I wonder, um, have you ever been to that mall when it wasn't totally packed? Mm-hmm. Because I, every time I've been past there, it's hard to even – find a parking spot maybe i'm just going at bad times but if it if there are a lot of people in one place obviously that just makes it more likely for something like that to happen too yeah
0: it was more packed than i think normal it's it, it does okay usually i think but uh it was hard to find a parking spot and then even when i was looking up to see what happened uh there people were also commenting on like using the parking garages and some said it took an hour to get in out of the parking garage so wow a little unusual but uh Maybe people did some good business. I don't know. Uh, Drudge had a poll for the biggest story of 2017, what people thought the biggest story was. And here are the results from least to greatest. Least important to most important in people's opinion. Least important, uh, worldwide terror attacks, followed by other. (laughs) It's pretty (laughs) nondescript. Uh, Then the hurricanes, uh, Russia probe, North Korea... Las Vegas massacre, the sexual misconduct scandal, economy boom, and then the biggest story of the year was President Trump's first year in office. That's what people thought. Um, I guess, I mean, domestically that probably is roughly right. Globally, uh, that wouldn't be the order to have everything in. Although, President Trump really did make some waves coming in, not just in the U.S., but really internationally as well
1: yeah he really did that was actually the event i was thinking would probably be at the top of the list it's kind of sad that terror attacks are are probably not higher than they sh- higher like they should be because obviously that involves the most loss of life it does seem like however we have become desensitized to a lot of that because they take place so often that you can only cover it so long whereas with president trump he's pretty much been the cause of The media meltdowns we've seen over the last year, just horrendous coverage of the president. Uh, Obviously, that's because of him. And then, of course, you have even world leaders saying things that they would have never thought to say about other world leaders in the past. But now, because it's President Trump, all of a sudden it seems okay.
0: Yeah, it is. He has made a lot of waves. It's got to be an interesting feeling to know that every comment you make, every tweet, whatever, it's going to have these ripples I don't know. Might be kind of intoxicating to feel like, you know, to have that much power.
1: I think he, he's good at using that to his own advantage as well. He picks fights against people who no one likes and therefore he's going to win. I mean like I was I was listening to some analysis yesterday about the whole president versus the NFL controversy and and it's pretty smart to say, look, if you are kneeling for the anthem and the flag, you are not patriotic. Because then they turned around and they all kneeled for the flag and the anthem and, and proved his point and basically decided they would be on the side of not being patriotic. He, he controlled how those people responded, basically. They fell right into his trap, and it seems like he's pretty good at doing that with the Democrats as well, with those NBA players that he talked about. Well, whoever he's talking about, Generally, those are winning fights that he picks. I mean, you could you could argue that maybe he shouldn't be picking fights, but still, uh, he's going to get reelected because of these types of skirmishes.
0: Well, even like CNN, who definitely doesn't care for him, even they, if you scroll way down on the page, they do have a few read ups saying like, well, you do have to hand it to him. He did have some victories this year, as much as I hate to admit that and the NFL is a good example because he made it a bigger issue than probably it would have been as far as people paying attention to it. And then, like you said, the reaction to what he said from players and others was to go even further in the direction of protesting the U.S. And then people really looked at that and said, well, I don't like that. And partially because of that at least, maybe there's other reasons, but partially because of that ratings are down, you know, they in, in their defiance of what he said they've actually l- are losing they're hurting themselves and so that you see that happen a lot and i i don't know i mean you do have to hand it to him in some ways he's uh he's good about um putting people in positions where uh they react and because of their reactions they usually end up making a mistake i think that was the same in the campaign you know he didn't he didn't even bother getting into some things with uh with uh, Miss Clinton there, he just accused her <laughs> of a lot of things and made up nicknames and things to the point where she reacted to it and then puts her in a bad position. And, of course, she had done a lot of things to put herself in that position. But but the reaction to his comments just make people make a lot of mistakes, it seems like.
1: Well, he causes people to out themselves. He, he's not the one exposing their radical ideas. He says things that get them so emotionally charged up that they then – tell about their ideas that people find quite unpalatable. I mean, whenever he's talking about uh, the media and how fake news they are and they respond on Twitter by cursing at him, that is a way of exposing that they have a huge bias there and, and it, it people are finally seeing uh, just how bad it is in, in entertainment, in politics, in pop culture, how radical left right on the edge of communism, it truly is. Uh, people are realizing that now because of the way that Mr. Trump has needled them into exposing themselves.
0: You've been uh, very effective at it. There's a lot at the com about um, President Trump and, and uh, how he ties into uh, some uh, prophecies in your Bible as well. So worth uh, searching that and finding out about that. One of the issues that's coming up this uh, upcoming calendar year that the president will be involved in, and others is uh, immigration. Uh, The Deferred Action for Children Arrivals, or DACA, program uh, set to end in the spring. Nearly 800,000 young undocumented immigrants could be eligible for deportation. And those who missed President Trump's fall renewal deadline will lose protection even sooner. Democrats and some Republicans want to find a solution before the end of the year, but uh, lawmakers are running out of time to strike a deal. They're going to have to decide something there. 800,000 people, that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of deportation if they end up going that direction.
1: That's right, and Ann Coulter had an, an article recently about how the Republicans should focus on this issue because this is actually an issue where a lot more people agree than they do on tax cuts. I think it's like 80% of people think that immigration enforcement needs to be a lot more strict. I believe the way it is now is that... All you have to do is claim you were born here as a child and then you're a part of DACA. You don't really have to prove that in any way. So what is stopping them from just claiming they were born here and or they were brought here as children? I mean, not much. and that's, that's why you have to have better laws than that. Um, sometimes even when these people who are brought here as children... Are, uh, then they get some sort of legal status, and their whole extended family is allowed to come into the country. Uh, pretty much nobody agrees with that aspect of it. Uh, the Republicans need to hit that more. I mean, look at the way that um, it was—the issue of tax cuts were lied about. Just it was—it was lied about constantly. But with immigration, people probably already agree with the Republican position on that.
0: Yeah, and you do feel for say people that are in the country then it's not they didn't choose it the their parents did or somebody else did you know you i can i can empathize with it it's a tough situation but there are laws and and that's it's going to be interesting to see how they try to you know what they try to do about it it's a big issue it makes me think of president lincoln thinking about the slavery issue i mean it's a big issue it affects a lot of people and you have to consider impact in a lot of ways and he did as probably as good of a job as you can of really thinking about it for a long time looking at biblical principles he gave his famous house divided speech you know which he took obviously from the bible house divided against itself can't stand of course this is a little different cuz this isn't <laughs> they're not part of the house right. per se <laughs> but still my my point being he really thought about it for a long time and tried to come up with you know a plan and uh, for action that that he didn't just come up with on the fly. I mean, he really thought about it for quite a long time, and uh, hopefully lawmakers are doing the same thing, you right? Know, to where it they can solve the problem, enforce the laws, but do it in a way that that's effective and makes sense. Uh, and you know, because it's easy to say, well, you know, they need to solve it the problem, and they do, but then logistically and everything, like how do you do that? It'll be interesting to see what they come up with,
1: right? And it is definitely a difficult situation for a lot of those people um i always just try to apply this exact situation to any other country would would i be able to uh illegally bring a child into mexico even and and because she grew up there her whole life now she's not allowed to be sent back i i don't think i could reasonably expect that anywhere else on the planet but for some reason when it comes to America we're obligated to do what no other nation has to uh, that's where um i think if if people were considering that a little bit more they'd realize how unfair this whole situation is for only america to be held to this elevated standard while uh, while everyone while every other nation is able to uh, enforce their borders basically and it also appears to be an issue of priorities because if you don't even have any sort of border security in the first place it's kind of difficult to then uh, really deal with the people who are already here because you're just going to keep having more people who are already here before there's even any border enforcement. Then you have a much bigger group that's already in the country because we didn't deal with the border a long time ago. If we have the border locked down, then you can say, uh, here's what we're going to do with the people already here. At least we're not making that group a, a whole lot larger.
0: Right, stop the uh, the cause of the problem, and then think about the rest of it. So that's something coming up this year, and uh, it'll be it'll be a lot of talk about it. That's for sure. Um, the California wildfires, of course, have been going on. One of the disasters this year. Uh, Something that may not think about when it comes to the fires is uh, the air, how it affects the air. Wall Street Journal says this month air quality in some Santa Barbara and Ventura County communities hit record high hazardous levels, making it unsafe for anyone to be outside. So, uh, you know, that's something that I guess I wouldn't think about immediately. But, yeah, it's burning, all kinds of things, and you don't want to breathe that in. Uh, firefighters, obviously, that's a threat. I know they, they I'm sure, wear their, their masks and so forth. But still, um, for people that are had to leave the community and are trying to come back now even and, and to some areas and rebuild and so forth, you'd have to wonder even about how long the air quality is going to be poor. Uh, I guess it would clear out fairly quickly, hopefully. But Los Angeles, any of those big cities notorious for bad air quality? Uh, you know, even overseas, you see people wearing the masks, trying to <laughs> have some some protection there. But uh, just another another uh, side effect to those massive fires,
1: right? And and it's probably not too far removed from the air that you'd be breathing inside anyway, because if you have some sort of a heating or cooling system, that those systems are going to be going into overdrive, trying to filter out all of the toxins in the air because of the fires if, if that air hasn't already gone inside anyway. So it's not just like you have to stay in your house, but you also have to consider, um, uh, are we bringing more air into the house once we come back that, that could be contaminated too.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess when people have fires, um, uh, they always talk about smoke damage, you know, to homes and things like that also. So, uh, you know how it is, even, even if you just have a little, uh, fire in the backyard and you're burning some, uh, Some old uh, sticks or something. You smell like it (laughs) (laughs) for a long time. And uh, this, of course, is much more serious and hazardous because of what's being burned. Um, You know, we were talking yesterday, just thinking about the environment, we were talking yesterday a little bit about uh, the toys or the presents, I guess, people throw in landfills, and there's quite a few of them after holidays. And uh, somebody else was mentioning to me that they read a a write-up about how because Amazon is so popular now, and so many packages are being shipped, now it's a whole issue with what do you do with all that cardboard? All the boxes going to everybody's house, and uh, the you know what do you do with it? How do you get rid of it? Because it's got not just the cardboard, but it's got the tape on it, it's got the glue to to put the labels on, and so forth. So when you start thinking about all the packages, and then people throwing out all the cardboard. It's just every time the economy changes a little bit there's all these side effects and sometimes they're they're negative.
1: That's true because every time we seem to have some huge advancement in any area too we don't even come to realize what the potential harms could be until we've already gone quite along in that quite a long way in that direction. Obviously Amazon has been pretty popular with its shipping for a while especially with the free 2-day shipping. But now we're just we're finally talking about what could be the 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 side effects of something like that. It does take a while to catch up and and realize maybe what the technology is causing too.
0: Yeah, there must be a the cardboard manufacturing companies. However, that exactly works. Um, they must be getting more business because the packages. It's oh, amazing yeah. <laughs> how many packages people buy, and uh, I know even for myself occasionally I'll have a for some reason a cycle where I've gotten a few packages, and before you know it, you go out in the garage and you get this garage full of boxes and you think where you know wow, this added up quick and then you just throw I throw them in the garbage and the garbage truck takes them, but where do they take them? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they take them to the magic land where everything disappears <laughs> yeah. but you know if everybody's got boxes, it's something to think about uh there's this interesting write up uh today about uh, also in Los Angeles Sarah says welcome to skid Row twenty seventeen Shocking scale of homelessness in downtown Los Angeles is exposed in footage showing sidewalks lined with dozens of tents in deprived area where 20,000 people live on the streets. 20,000. And it's a uh, three-minute lively clip. Uh, It's a dash cam. Somebody's driving through the area, and just from the dash cam, you can see all the homeless people. And they drove through there on uh, December 25th. It was in the underbelly of downtown L.A., which is... Pretty infamous for having a lot of homelessness. Shot on 5th Street, 6th Street, and San Pedro in the Skid Row District. Captures life in one of the city's most notorious homeless hotspots. Garbage bags littered the streets. Tents all up and down the street erected to shelter residents, including women and children. Uh, They say the rising cost of living in California is also forcing middle-class residents to live in their cars in affluent areas or RVs like we talked about the other week. And I, I watched some of the video. It really is quite shocking. It looks like it looks like a third-world refugee camp where you see them just kind of all just standing around, uh, milling about. Uh, that's what it looked like, and that's in Los Angeles.
1: Yeah, and I, f- I heard the other day it was like Portland, San Francisco, and Seattle combined have like 180,000 homeless. And then obviously L.A., if you throw that into the mix too, I mean – there's 20,000 right in that one section of the city. There's probably a lot more than that throughout. If you if you even were able to count them all somehow, I don't even know if, if that's an easy thing to do. But they're just everywhere. And it's so difficult to run a business if you have people like that who are living right out front of your, your store. Uh, and then, of course, with the homeless people, they have to wonder where their next meal comes from. Um, that's a constant stress on their lives. And of course, um, to deal with stress, a lot of them probably are getting into all kinds of drugs, or maybe the drugs are the reason they're homeless in the first place. So you're dealing with extreme drug addiction, housing issues, uh, hurting businesses, uh, sanitation, even in a place like that, where they're relieving themselves in the street. I mean, just to be blunt about it, they are, there's no privacy there. They're all right next to each other doing the same things, and so uh, even sanitation isn't a big issue. It's it's easy to see that there's a problem, but once you let it get that big, how do you even solve it?
0: What do you, yeah, what do you do with you know a hundred thousand plus homeless people in just those regions? That's like a whole city. And what do you do with them? And um, you know when you think about the immigration issue, that's a whole issue. But then we have our own people that are just out there that are that are US citizens and that are out on the streets sometimes maybe by choice or because they're they have some problems other times other issues i guess but but uh what do you do with all that you know if you're the mayor of Los Angeles it's worth thinking about like well what would you do with something like that how would you solve that problem and when we talk a lot about the return of Christ and solving problems and there's of course a lot written about that at the com, and particularly the wonderful world tomorrow booklet uh, you know, there has to be ways that you practically solve these problems. So it's interesting when you look around and you think, oh, how how would these problems be solved according to God's word? You know, that's, and that's what the cities uh, and the leaders, I, I imagine, don't think about. They're thinking about it in a lot of ways, but they're not thinking about, okay, can I look at the law of God here and see what would need to be done to
1: fix this problem? And you mentioned immigration, too. The reason that's such a big issue is that— uh It's not just a matter of everyone in America is already prosperous and we're easily able to take all these other people who may only have a fifth grade education, can't speak English, couldn't immediately contribute to the American economy. When you're already dealing with thousands upon millions probably of homeless people and not to mention veterans who haven't been treated well after coming back from battle, Uh, so many people who are already lower income struggling to find jobs before the illegal labor comes in and is hired for half the price. How can we then justify trying to support all these people from the third world who are coming here, breaking our laws, and coming here illegally when we have so many of our own people to take care of? It is a matter of priorities and A nation has to put its own people first, and it has to find solutions for all the people who are already suffering here before then trying to take in a a gigantic influx of illegal immigrants. And again, like you said, God's law deals with that too, and it says if you're going to come into another nation, you assimilate into their language, their culture, their religious system, everything. You have to be a contributor. You have to keep the laws. You have to blend in immediately. And we're not seeing that from the illegal population either.
0: No. Yeah, it is, uh, quite interesting. I saw, I actually saw a homeless person the other day, uh, in Edmund, which you don't see too often. Yeah, there's a couple that mm-hmm. you see around occasionally. And they were, uh, it was an older lady out, uh, in front of, a uh, downtown business there. And it was, uh, uncomfortable for everyone Yeah, because people, you know, people are coming and going, you know, it was a coffee shop. So people are coming and going and they're right outside there. And, I don't know looking looking for a handout or looking for something but uh, uh unfortunate situation. Uh and that's just one. Right. <laughs> you know, 20,000. Uh 2017 they say is a year was a year of disasters. It was a devastating year with natural disasters such as catastrophic floods, wildfires and earthquakes affecting millions across the globe. Sigma recently estimated that disasters this year caused an estimated 306 billion dollars in total economic losses. Global insured losses made it the third most expensive year for the insurance industry. So everyone's hoping for a break in 2018 because you can't have too many of those years stack up. But uh, anyway, its it was a year of disasters. And, of course, that really fuels the uh, climate change people, and they, they get pretty up in arms about that. But, uh, again, you know, we have a book at thetrumpet.com on why natural disasters. And you do have to look, again, at the Bible. Does God control the weather? Does he have a say in that? But, uh does he not care what, what what about that because um uh there's a lot of uh thinking that it's all this man made climate change causing it, but um uh, you know people aren't looking at you know it, it as being a form of correction is it being are we being corrected for something are we doing something wrong <laughs> because when you look at uh well, it's funny because you look at a lot of media outlets today and they talk about twenty eighteen and what they're hoping for, and then they have twenty seventeen to look back. And it's mostly negative news. And in particular, the weather side of it this year, uh, it hasn't been good news. So we can all agree on that. A lot of disasters. The question is, what's the cause of it?
1: The thought popped into my head the other day about these insurance companies and how they better be really good at saving up a lot of money during good times because uh, they have to be paying out so much money whenever all these disasters strike at once. And probably at some point, It gets a little bit harder to sustain things like that. And and then the government has to step in and they have to help subsidize the recoveries. But where do they get that money from? Do they just print it? Because we don't have it, obviously. Uh, Clearly, it's beyond the scope of our abilities to solve these weather disasters. And we we just basically have to hope that they stop for a while over the next year. That's not really the best plan, is it? Uh, Global warming, uh, I guess they call it climate change now. It dealing with that costs like a hundred million dollars for something that might offset the one person's use of carbon di or production of carbon dioxide, so uh that's not obviously a cost efficient way of dealing with a problem. The only way is turning to the God who created the weather systems and could actually control them.
0: yeah, I think there is just a really massive amount of arrogance for somebody to say. I know why these disasters are occurring in terms of, like, the science, and I know how to, I can fix it <laughs> because you're a person like that is really putting themselves in place of God. You, know, you think about God talking to Job, and Job I was smarter than uh, probably most anybody alive today, and uh, you know, he's like, well, where were you when I went ahead and built the earth and you know put the foundations in? Were you there for that? Or when I made the ocean, I said, you, you'll go this far and you'll stop here. Were you there when I did that? You know, was anybody around when God made the weather systems, when He He decided how it works? But to come to sit here and to say, "Well, we we know how to solve it," there is a lot of arrogance in that.
1: There is, and you see that a lot, especially in the radical left, which is completely anti God. Um, if God doesn't exist, which most of them believe, then who is next in line? Who is the person? Who is the being who is in charge of all these different? things and it has to be human beings themselves that's that's the next step that's why they take the authority to try to stop hurricanes from taking place that's why they take the authority to decide whether an unborn baby lives or dies because God isn't in charge of that apparently I mean if you go down the list of all their different policies you know give all of your money to the government because the government is is God and they will they will take care of you it's all because God's not in the picture that any of these policies even exist in the first place.
0: There was a uh, pol- former political leader, I won't name them, but they were talking about the hurricanes from this year, and they said, well, I'm not responsible for them because they weren't in an office. But they said, you know, but the nice thing is, you know, I can I can work towards the next 20 years and making sure that we don't have these types of things happen and in the realm of climate change. And I just thought, are you God? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to stop? You're going to go out there and tell the hurricane
1: to stop? Is the current leader responsible for them? Yeah. I mean, that's the implication <laughs> right. there. It's just, that is a, an insane line of reasoning uh, to think that, well, you know, I would be able to put a halt to these things if I were still in charge. I mean, that's just not anywhere rooted in reality. The only responsibility a leader would have would be to tell the people to repent. Mm hmm but certainly that's
0: not not it's not on the not on the agenda.
1: And God would have to be firmly in charge of that leader for him to even have the humility to say something like that. So even then it wouldn't be up to the physical leader to put a stop to these things.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. It is just amazing, but it was a bad year for uh for the, the disasters. Uh here's uh something that might be helpful to you. Uh leaving this is a health note. They say leaving the house linked to longevity in older adults. For older people, getting out of the house regularly may contribute to a longer life. This is from Reuters, and the effect is independent of medical problems or mobility issues. You know, it's harder for some people to to get out than others. But they say no matter what, if you get out of the house, as you get into your older age, um, this was they looked at participants or had participants in their seventies, eighties, and nineties. It's probably true of any age group, but particularly that age group. The frequency with which they left the house predicted how likely they were to make it to the next age milestone. The simple act of getting out of the house every day propels people into engagement with the world and uh, is better for health, which makes you think about, say, even the younger generations that are not as apt to get out because they can just go on the Internet and do whatever at home. They said, We saw similar benefits that you'd expect from treating blood pressure with or cholesterol with medicine. So they said social factors are important in the process of aging. So instead of having to give people medicine, they said, we'll just get out of the house a little bit. And it, it did wonders for them.
1: That's a practice that we could all relate to, whether we are staying in the house too much or whether we're actually getting out. You, you can tell the difference. I mean, sometimes if all I did was stay home the whole evening, I feel like I grew roots into the couch. Like, I really hope that the next night, is not like this because you you can't really sustain too many nights of just like sprawling out or, uh, you know, not even peeking outside to see what it looks like. If you're just contained in such a small space, so much of the time, uh, you're not seeing the world. You're not experiencing new things. You're not giving yourself a, a sense of excitement about exploring. Um, and obviously you come into contact with a lot fewer people, which is part of what they were saying there too. Your interactions are extremely limited if all you want to do is sit on the couch and watch TV.
0: Yeah, the the times where maybe I've been sick for a few days and you, you don't go to work, things like that, um, you just start you start just going crazy. It's the worst. Got to get out. Got to do something. <laughs> you know, because you're just sitting there the whole day and it's really bad. So they said that studies show that if uh, communities create walkways that are friendly for walking, people start walking. Uh, And neighborhoods with older adults, walkways with benches, uh, encourage them to get out, take a walk. They could sit down, be social. That's something we don't see as much anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and for good reason. I think some people would just be afraid to get out. But uh, I know even for myself, I would be more apt to walk somewhere if there's a nice trail for me to get there. I wish there was. I wish I could have more of those. But in a lot of cases, those places aren't available. And particularly as people get older, obviously there's a little bit of a concern about um you know just getting into a dangerous situation unfortunately you see that on the news
1: yeah i mean even even like pit bulls you have these these dogs that are in the news mauling people and eating eating someone's rib cage like i saw recently yeah. um it, there are a lot of things like that where maybe maybe people just are a little bit more hesitant to step outside but i mean if you did go with another person i mean especially elderly people who know younger people it's a good it's a good way to bridge a generation gap you get outside of the house you can go for a walk together um you can discuss things the elderly always have a lot to share and and teach younger people about life and their experiences and so even that might be a, a good way to do it so that someone who is older doesn't feel vulnerable taking a walk by themselves and who knows if they fell and got hurt or if like i said if an animal came after them or even even some person who had bad intentions, uh, you could you could prevent a lot of that just by going with someone who is a bit stronger and and more able bodied.
0: Want well, to be nice when you go out somewhere and everybody you see is either a friend or somebody that will be a friend, ins- instead of being a potential threat. Because uh, today, I mean, quite frankly, a lot of times you go to places and you you looking around like, well, how much of a threat level is there here? Mm-hmm.
1: You know, as opposed to. Wow, everybody looks friendly. <laughs> do you, do you yeah. ever look around in public and then and then just try to gauge who might be the biggest threat? I mean, sometimes you can tell just by looking at people. Other times you can't, but they could have some secret problem that that could make them a threat too. Sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Particularly, you know, if you're out with your family or something, you kids, you do kind of look around like I don't want to be in this area and uh, I mean even at that at the mall yesterday there was just uh certain segments of the population there that looked like they were not up to the best behavior and um you know when people were tweeting about what happened there a lot of them were talking about watch out it's a rough crowd that type of thing because it's it's the environment and you do know as much as as much as uh people want to act like you know every everybody's great and everything's great you do know if it's a certain group of individuals, there's a likelihood there's going to be problems mm-hmm. in a certain part of town. That's just the reality, and everybody knows that. No matter what, like the media will try to tell you, you know, like that's some sort of a bias. It's not a bias. It's just a re- dealing with reality.
1: Yeah, there are certain places that I've driven through where you speed up a little bit. You lock the the doors on on your car because obviously it's a rougher part of town. I don't even have to see who's living there. It doesn't. It doesn't even matter. Just the fact that it gets a lot darker in this place, and there are th- things are a lot more broken down. There's a lot more graffiti here. Maybe just a place you don't want to be. And obviously, the people in those areas might be a little bit more of a threat.
0: Sure. And I just watch the news for two days. <laughs> you can see where all the crime is. It's always in the same. It is spots usually. Uh, Make sure you stop and check out thetrumpet.com today. Top story, is North Korea planning to use anthrax? New reports suggest that North Korea may be testing anthrax-tipped ballistic missiles. Uh, But is this true, and does it matter? So make sure you read that at thetrumpet.com. Related to that, on this day, December 27th in 2002, North Korea ordered UN nuclear inspectors to leave the country and said that it would restart uh, it's uh, labs capable of producing plutonium for nuclear weapons, so of course they had that that uh, deal. They weren't going to do anything, and and of course they've uh, they made that with the Clinton administration, sort of similar to the Iran deal, I guess. And uh, look where we are now, as we've mentioned before, and you know where Iran's going to be too. So 2002, they said, get out of here. We're gonna
1: we're gonna go ahead and make
0: some more weapons.
1: <laughs> it is amazing, even to look at um, the declarations made by. President Clinton and then by President Obama. Bill Clinton, of course, was talking about North Korea and how they would never get the chance to uh, develop these types of nuclear weapons. And then President Obama was talking about Iran and saying nearly word for word the same thing. And it's again just highlighting the failure of diplomacy when the only way you deal with hostile actors is to give a speech with eloquent words and you don't back it up with any force, any tangible threat to their existence, they're going to definitely take advantage of that. They're going to go to the negotiating table and realize that we'll capitulate to them entirely, and they won't have to give anything up. And still they can obtain their goals, which, which often consist of blowing America off the map. Yeah.
0: So make sure you read that dot thetrumpet.com about uh, North Korea and what they're involved in. Also, the Trumpet Daily Radio Show today with Richard Palmer filling in for your regular host, Stephen Flurry, talking about the times of the Gentiles and some of the things that happened in 2017. Uh, he wrote the Trumpet Brief yesterday and talks about that as well. So you can read about that at thetrumpet.com. Lots of interesting things when you go back over the year and see what happened. And then also uh, Trumpet Hour today, too. So make sure you check that out. One of the health stories there is... Is your heart older than you uh, are otherwise? Uh, if it is, that's not a great thing. You want to be wise, but it's not talking about being wiser. It's talking about people's hearts being uh, much older than their physical bodies.
1: Yeah, and, and that's uh, that's certainly an issue that uh, affects a lot of people, whether it's a bad diet, loss of sleep, too high levels of stress. A lot of things could make your heart slow down. You could you could develop, uh, I guess blocked arteries or at least clogged arteries. And I mean, that's the heart's doing a pretty difficult job pumping blood to every extremity. And if you do things that are going to hurt that, of course, you're going to feel a whole lot older, a whole lot faster. Yep.
0: You need the heart to be working from what I understand. Uh, we've been talking this week about uh, this wonderful booklet, very uh, timely for everyone, always important. Solve Your Money Troubles is at com. And if you follow the steps and it takes some time and you, you're able to get out of debt, get your financial house in order, you will find that you have a little more money, which is exciting. What do you do with it? That's the question. <laughs> and there's a chapter in here about investing for the future. Investing's an interesting thing. Uh, we read about the stock market all the time and the ups and downs and Bitcoin it lost half its value, then it gained it back. It just it jumps all over. But uh, investing is not a bad idea. It's just, it depends on how you do it. And as this booklet points out, uh, as is illustrated in Matthew 25, those who faithfully use what they are given, even more will be entrusted. But those who are unfaithful, even what little they have will be taken away. It's an example of You know, three people getting um, a certain amount and what they did with it, you know, and Christ comes back and says, okay, what did you do with what I gave you? Talking, of course, mostly spiritually, but also what we do physically as well. It ties into that, you know, did you make your dollar turn into $2, or did you do nothing with it, or did you lose it? You know, how, how responsible were you with it? And the Bible, again, which is the principle or the basis for what we're looking at here in terms of finances, Teaches a principle of building wealth over time to take care of your financial needs as you grow older. It is also biblical to leave an inheritance for your family, if possible. So it is very biblical to plan for um, future financial stability, and so that's uh, what this chapter looks at.
1: It's very clear from this example at the beginning of the chapter that the Bible is very much about accumulating a lot of wealth and and saving up for the time when maybe you're not able to work anymore or giving an inheritance to your family. It takes a lot of preparation and planning and and, and certainly a lot of discernment to be able to invest in the right way. And I liked how Mr. Morley, Mr. Robert Morley in this booklet puts it in order. You have to have that $1,000 emergency fund. Then you have to scratch and claw, do whatever it takes to get out of debt. Then you save up six months in case of a loss of job or some other extreme uh, emergency and only after you are in a stable financial position do you actually start investing for the future because as he brings out too you you can't be putting money into investments that you can't afford to lose there is a certain amount of risk there uh but generally if you invest smartly mostly it's reward it's just a matter of only putting aside money that you can afford to do without that's what actually should go into those investments
0: right you have to get everything in order first and uh it talks about you know where is the um, best place to invest of course that's always uh, an interesting question and uh, you can invest in the stock market but again the principle is if it's if you can't do it in faith then you shouldn't do it and that's uh from romans 1423 if it's if he just feel like I'm just not comfortable with this I don't think it's right personally uh well then you shouldn't do it but but if you are going to invest in the stock market, uh, as you pointed out, never invest your emergency fund. Don't invest money that you have to have or you may need. It's the extra. And then, you know, some people are—and it depends on who you are. Some people are going to be very savvy. They're going to be really good at at investigating and making some investments. Uh, other people aren't as savvy. And so mutual funds are a better idea, where it's it's diversified and somebody else is kind of looking at it, and it doesn't grow as much, but it grows, and it's usually safer, um, for for uh, for the most part. And then diversifying too, you know, not putting all your eggs in one basket, as the old saying goes. But again, everybody's going to have their own way of doing it potentially, or maybe they don't even want the market. Maybe they want to go a different direction. Um, there's lots of ways you can do it, but you have to do it in faith, and it has to be you have to be wise about it and i think knowing your limits is good you know everybody would like to be the financial genius but maybe not everybody is so you have to rely on people that that give good sound advice
1: and there's definitely an element of bringing god into the investing as well like not doing something that is against your faith or like mr morley writes about uh not investing in in certain companies that might produce pornography or whatever right. it might be because if we think about that maybe it would make us money but do you think god would actually bless those types of investments of course not and so uh if god is in charge we we wouldn't want to be doing things that are actively contradicting uh what our beliefs should be
0: right and i love uh, mr armstrong talked uh, wrote a lot about making god your business partner which i think mm-hmm. is just a great great picture to 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 paint there because uh most people don't think about that but again like you say yeah, there's some things where people might make money in it, but is it is it, you know, beneficial? And if you look long-term at, at people that would maybe make money in something that's not right, uh, it doesn't end well for them typically. You know, there's, even financially, those things th- don't last. So you want to be, like you said, looking at um, at the, the biblical principles. And then uh, the most important part, though, as is brought out in this booklet, is uh, the spiritual investment. Of course, you have to take care of your finances, and that's the point of the book. But it all hinges on being in the right place spiritually as well. And that's the biggest investment is the relationship with God. And so, as Christ said, put the kingdom first, and all these things will be added on to you. And um, that's talked about there in, um, uh, you know, Matthew 6, where a typical person has lots of concerns. And Christ said, don't take thought about, you know, what am I going to eat or what am I going to drink and all that Uh, not that you shouldn't plan, but you don't want to be overly worried about it because if you're putting the time into your relationship with God first, and then you go about, you know, following biblical principles, you'll have what you need at least. Doesn't mean you'll be the richest person in the world, but you won't be on the streets either.
1: That's the crux of the entire booklet is that God is in charge of our financial position, our general position in life. So if we are putting him first, then of course he's going to have a hand in those finances, uh, even even regarding investing Mr. Morley said don't don't let it uh, eat up large portions of your day constantly checking what your investments are if that's if that becomes like an obsession it's going to take away time from your sleep, your family, your time with God. Those those things will suffer if our mind is constantly on physical gain through those investments or through whatever other enterprise we're involved in. It can't it can't be the focus or else God's just not going to bless it. On the other hand, though, if, if we put God first, then it's pretty incredible uh, just how many blessings come from that.
0: Right. You, it can become a, an idolatry issue to where you're having an idol, the wealth being an idol, and then that that's, can be a major problem. Um, this chapter finishes by saying that prophecy shows there's a time fast approaching when our money and investments will not be sufficient to protect us from tribulations coming upon all the world. And that is why the best investment advice we can give is to first invest in your relationship with God and trust him to take care of all your needs. He will guide your investments and help you to make wise decisions and how to protect yourself financially. So, you know, some people could say, well, you know, this whole society is going to crumble. What's the point? Well, we're in this society today. I mean, you do have to make good financial decisions. Even though the dollar is weak, you can still go to
1: the store and buy something with a dollar. (laughs) So it's better to have a dollar than not. Very true, and even though society is crumbling, no man knows the day or the hour when that's actually going to happen, so if we just blew all of our money, uh, then, we, then we just bring unnecessary suffering on ourselves, You know, going to the, even the extreme of making ourselves possibly homeless just because we thought it was all going to collapse a little bit sooner than it actually did. And the important thing, too, is, is uh, learning the
0: financial principles, because we're going to need them in the future. I mean, even when Christ returns, there's going to be very specific economic system. If you read the Wonderful World Tomorrow booklet, uh, Mr. Armstrong talks about, you know, uh, pretty good indications are given of where different people will be in the kingdom. You have uh, uh, Joseph as a financial leader. You look at what he did with Egypt and how he handled the finances, how he handled the wealth. And so learning those principles is vital because God's government operates on laws, including financial ones. It's not just... Uh, uh, you know, anything goes. And so we want to be practicing those laws in our lives today.
1: That's certainly a really a really good point, just that it does go beyond this physical life. That's probably something that most of us don't think about. And that's not even directly mentioned in this booklet, but it's, it's very true. Uh, if we're training to be teachers now, we're learning these types of principles, financial and otherwise, that lasts far beyond what we're doing right now and there are going to be a lot of people who are going to be needing instruction on things like this because maybe they've never done any of these principles the right way and in the future it'll be their chance to finally do it right yeah it's a
0: character development issue so it's uh really important uh you can get this booklet for free at thetrumpet.com solve your money troubles and it's really great to read and then uh then work on putting those principles into action. That's all the time we have for today on Trumpet Radio Live. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, Grant Turgeon and myself, Dwight Falk, have a great rest of your Wednesday. Listen for the Kia David program, the Trumpet Daily Show, and the Trumpet Hour coming up in just a bit. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.
1: You're listening to Trumpet Radio, 101.3 KPCG.